I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Uh, do you have dreams? Do you, do you dream big? Do you dream with confidence? Do you dream brave? Well, that's the title of a new book that is out, and uh, we're going to talk about this idea of dreaming brave. It's written by Y.G. Tam, and she has quite the background, and we're going we're gonna to dive into the book. But first, I, I want you to hear a little bit about her. So welcome to the program. Great to have you on Life Today Live. Oh, it's so nice to see you, Randy, and thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. So I just landed in the I just landed in the States a couple of days ago, and I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, well, and keep keep moving east because you're you're in LA right now. You need to get to Texas. That's where it's happening. Everybody else in California is going to Texas. <laughs> no. So I was reading through your bio, and there are lots of interesting things. But one thing that I, I saw that I haven't seen before um, is uh, your your degree, your education. Um, mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is a master of public health? That is a very good question, Randy. <laughs> so a master of public health is, um, well, it's a higher degree in public health. And some people ask, like, what is that? And I guess it's a very, um, it's it's a degree that helps people become preventative health, ex- preventative health experts, meaning that we help to prevent disease and conditions that could be prevented. And for myself, that kind of evolved into uh, preventing outbreaks or preventing the um, ill effects of outbreaks. So as you know, from my background, um, I became an outbreak specialist during COVID. And then I was deployed into the field and all that. And so that was how that degree came handy, came in handy, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's wild. (laughs) That's very, very interesting. So, I mean, that when you say in the field, what fields have you worked in? (laughs) <laughs> I've been to quite a number of different countries. Um, I guess, well, back in the days when I was a, a, a young medical student, um, back in Sichuan, China, when the earthquake happened, mm. um, I served together with my husband in Uganda for a year at an HIV institute. Um, I was deployed with the World Health Organization and United Nations to Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland, for about six weeks as a COVID-19 specialist. And I guess some of the different countries doing um, anti-sex trafficking, humanitarian work would be India, Cambodia, um, been to a hospital in Indonesia, Malaysia, um, different yeah. parts of Philippines. I could go on, Randy. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, you know, I know you've also worked in Nepal. Uh, yes, yes, of yeah. course, Nepal. And I, you probably don't know this, but our organization, Life Outreach International, we have... Um, people on the ground at the Nepal-India border to stop sex trafficking. And so this idea of of prevention, whether it's, you know, criminal activity or uh, preventing health issues, because we actually have a crew right now in, they just landed in Ethiopia, uh, where we're looking to drill some water wells. We drill water wells in Burundi and Rwanda and some South Sudan. We've done a lot of work in in East Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. And so, yeah, the idea of of, of stopping something before it it does damage is is yeah we get it and it's wonderful here here's yeah. my here's a question because the subtitle of your book yeah mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. 
To a, a dare to live by faith live by when faith. you feel too small. That's right. <laughs> and I am guessing because I've yeah. been in some places where I'm like, well, I'm in so far over my head. I'm guessing yeah. that you have been at times in places where you, yeah, you felt like, man, the problems here, the the situation here, just the number of people here, yeah, way yeah, more than yeah. I can handle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I, I think that is so true. Whenever we find ourselves in a situation bigger than what we think we can handle, I think that's where the God factor comes in. Yeah. I remember when I had just come back with my Master of Public Health back to Singapore, that's when the COVID-19 outbreak happened, and tens of thousands of low-wage migrant workers were infected with COVID-19. Mm. And at the time, everybody was petrified. And having been unplugged from the healthcare system for a number of years because I was abroad, I didn't know what to do. And I remember coming back, sitting on my balcony, just crying out to God and saying, God, would you just use me in some way? I don't know how. Like this this situation, it's so big. Like it's on a government, national, international level. Like what mm. can I as an individual do? And I remember just feeling that sense of helplessness and loss and truly, truly feeling desperate for God to come through. And just in a matter of weeks or perhaps even days even, I had a phone call from... Um, a medical doctor who was a mentor of mine, and another phone call from a friend who was working at a nonprofit. And just by connecting both of them together, suddenly something catalyzed. Mm. And before I knew it, I was given like I was given access, like premium access to some of the most locked down places um, in Singapore that were quarantining migrant workers. And I had firsthand experience to see what was going on. And through that, God opened just a little door for me to see what was really needed on ground, which was the need to translate what was going on into eight different languages to migrant workers who had come from all over the world and didn't know what was actually happening. Oh, wow. And because I had developed a nonprofit called Kite Song Global that, you know, um, there's translation work and graphic design because I had been drawing picture books for fundraising purposes. The amazing thing was all God asked me to do through a mentor was to draw health booklets for migrant workers. Mm. And I wish I could have told you, Randy, that I said yes, that I said, oh God, thank you, I'm going <laughs> to leap into this. But I didn't. In fact, I scoffed at it. I said, God, this is like so menial, such a mundane task. Why did you ask me to do it? Like, you know, I'm from Hopkins. I just graduated with my fancy degree. Like, give me something glamorous to do, right? But my husband reminded me and he said, why Oswald Chambers' devotional for today is Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Wow. And I realized all God was asking me to do in that impossible situation was to be faithful to one thing, which was just to draw cartoons. And before I knew it, the World Health Organization chairperson of the steering committee in Singapore was contacting me because I was rolling out tens of thousands of these copies of health booklets in eight different languages, spreading them to the different quarantine facilities faster than any of the health institutions. And he he called me one day and he said, are you a professional cartoonist? Because I need to hire you to join my team. <laughs> and that was how God fulfilled my 17-year-old self's longing or dream to be part of WHO or the UN work. And that was how I got deployed to the field. And so whenever we find, what that taught me was that whenever we find ourselves in an impossible situation that is bigger than ourselves, is to hone in on to the small. God's really been showing me to treasure the small because the world always tells us dream big, go big, like reach for the stars. And I'm learning 
that perhaps God is also challenging us to treasure the small and to be faithful in small things because that's where he can make things grow. Yeah. How much of the success of a lot of the things you've done, uh, whether you know big or small in our eyes, yeah. Yeah. has been simply the fact that you were you made yourself available to God. That the fact that you said, "Lord, here, you know, here am I. Send oh. me." Right. Yes. How yes. much? How much of your ability is because of your availability? Um, wow, Randy, I was just sharing this at a workshop yesterday, a justice workshop at a church. Um, here in LA and I had tears in my eyes just sharing this story that I was in the field in Uganda feeling totally out of my depth Mm -hmm. at that time I had very little qualifications besides my basic medical degree and a local doctor had told me if you were more qualified you could do more for us Mm. and that broke my heart because I had given up a surgical training career I had stepped out of that trajectory to avail myself and I felt like I wasn't wanted or needed and I grappled with the Lord like Lord what is the use of being available if I'm not wanted but the funny thing is one thing um, and I write this in the I write about this story in the book it's about this this couple who was struggling with their baby when when it was born and it was turning blue and I remember they called me they were so friendly and they called me Dr. Y. <laughs> it's like, Dr. Y, like, my baby's dying. What are you going to do? Can you help us? And I remember telling them over the phone, I'm not a pediatrician. I can't help you. And I knew that whatever help that I could relay from back home to Uganda wouldn't help because the hospital just didn't have the facilities to. But the amazing thing was that God just gave me just a little impression that if I had made myself available, that he could use me. And because of that faith in that, suddenly an idea came to mind and I realized all I needed to do was pick up the phone, send an ambulance to them and bring them to the, the city hospital, which was over an hour away. Mm. And as I thought about that, that that scene of my husband and I running down the dirt mountain with red dirt flying in our faces, running from shack to shack, trying to ask for an ambulance in that remote village, I realized that that was all God wanted me to do. That little baby lived, the couple decided to name her Divine, and now she's more than 10 years old. Mm. Wow. Wow. And that was a huge, huge lesson in my life. That far more important than our qualifications, God treasures our availability more than we dare think. Yeah, I I absolutely, absolutely think so. And you know what I also believe in? Mm. I I don't, you know, I, I... don't know how much you're steeped in Western evangelical churches, but some of us, some of us have this idea that God's ability to do things depends on our amount of faith that we can. And I look at scripture and and Jesus talks about a mustard seed, which I'm no farmer, but my understanding is they're really, really small. It's not, I don't know that it's it's not about our, it's not how big our faith is, it's how big our God is in which we put our faith, right? Yes, how much? that's what I write about. Oh, okay, well, see, Mm -hmm. how much much has your little faith produced great things? (laughs) 
Wow. So that's exactly what I write in the first chapter of the book, even, and even an introduction. So so we're, we're on the same page. And actually, this mindset is not just in like Western circles. It's very Asian, you know, we work hard, yeah. strive. Okay. And when, when you become a Christian, you think that you would throw away this old mindset. But no, it just translates over. It's like, I got to have more faith. And if I, if I put it together, my God will show up for me. And I realized that through writing of this book, the writing of this book, going into scripture, that God revealed to me in Hebrews 11, like through even all the fathers of faith, that all of them were, were broken, all of them wavered somehow, but yet God pushed through for them because all they needed was to have a little bit of faith in that moment. And I know that there are instances in the Bible where God rebukes um, the disciples for having little faith. But at the same time, I believe that God wants us to hold that tension between wanting to have more faith and yet also trusting that whatever little faith that we have, we can put in our big God yeah. and trust that He can bring that to full fruition even when we are flawed and when we are broken. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, I, I have found that the faith grows when we just act in obedience in, even when we feel completely inadequate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you? I, I, I gotta think the places you've been, and even some of the stories you've told already. That that sometimes yeah. you know, even in, when we doubt ourselves, we don't doubt mm -hmm. God, but we doubt ourselves. If yeah, we just yeah. take, we have to actually do something, right? It's not. It's not enough yeah. to just to think about it, but to actually do yeah. something, and that yeah. grows our faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think one of the stories that comes to mind is um, my seventeen-year-old self. Because I couldn't think of a time where I felt more helpless than that. I was a new Christian. I hardly even knew what the Bible was. Like, you know, I just like read bits of it. Right. And I'm like, you know, is, is this Jesus thing really real? Like, can I pull out after a while, you know, just try it out? And I was in the mission field in Nepal. I had asked my dad to allow me to go to Nepal for six weeks to stay at a girl's home. And of course, he said no at first. But when God finally opened the doors for me to go, and that's the first chapter of the book, what happened was that um, it was by no coincidence that we were all traumatically evicted from the children's home that we were staying in. Oh, wow. And I learned that the landlord had actually chased everyone out. And this happened year after year because of the stigma on unwanted Nepalese girls. Mm. And I remember when that trauma happened, all I could think about was how could a good God allow this? And what could I do? I come from a sterile bubble, you know, a, a well-to-do middle-income family in, in Singapore. Mm. And all I felt God asked me to do was to paint a picture book to raise funds for the girls to have a permanent home. And I, as a 17-year-old, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I all, I all I did was start painting and drawing and I brought it to a publisher and he took one look at the paintings and he said, wow, I really want to sponsor 2,000 copies of this to raise funds, mm. but your paintings are just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we talk about encouragement, right, <laughs> Randy? But... I just, I just knew that if God didn't come through, like everything would fall apart. So on one hand, there was this idea that, wow, like, like so much hinges on me. I, I could make a difference. And on, on the other hand, it's the sense of, wow, like, like I need a miracle. Like none of this is going to pull through. Like people were telling me, who's going to buy the book of a 17-year-old? In fact, many people told me, this is not going to work. If you want, work hard. 
become credible, become famous, like a surgeon or something, and then maybe people would read your book. That was what I was told. Mm. Um, but I worked on the book, and one person believed in it. And in three months, um, this little book, Kite Song, was published. And in the next three months, over $100,000 was raised to purchase the girl's home. Mm. In my living room at home, and wherever around I am in the world, um, there is a picture of almost the same girls seated in nearly the same positions, but 10 years apart, side by side. And it's such a powerful visual reminder for me that when we don't believe in ourselves, God comes through. And it's precisely when we don't believe in ourselves that God wants us to step out in faith and take that risk. Because putting faith out in action requires not just courage, but also a sense of vulnerability because it's putting yourself all in, putting yourself on the line and yet realizing that I could fail. And what happens if God doesn't come through? Mm -hmm. Those are hard questions. Mm -hmm. And still doing it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's that's the thing. If even without if without God in life we're gonna fail. So it's like why why not fail towards obedience, right? You know, and and Yes, yes. And when you understand the, you know, eternal perspective, sometimes what looks like failure today is is just sort of long-term planning and, and, you know, planting seeds for tomorrow. So mm-hmm. now I love it. Okay, this is the book, Dream Brave by Waijia Tam. And uh, I'm, I'm curious because you mentioned earlier that you have worked with the WHO uh, mm-hmm. and, and with a lot of, you know, governmental organizations, yeah. uh, not all of whom have at times, <laughs> a spotless reputation, right? Mm-hmm. Have you have you faced any opposition or even uh, worse because of your faith in some of your mm-hmm. the, the things you've done? Wow, that is a good that is a good question, Randy. Interestingly, interestingly, I think. What life has taught me is to be wise in the marketplace. Um, it's about being as wise. It's, it's about being wise and about being just carrying the light of God and knowing when to speak about Christ mm-hmm. and when not to. And I think what I've really learned is to really ask God for wisdom to navigate those circumstances. Interestingly though, I must say I've had a lot more opposition within the faith circle <laughs> for being a woman and speaking really about faith. Oh. So that is a constant um, challenge that I, I struggle with, but I continue to bring to the Lord and I just tell him whatever platform that you give to me, whatever that you want me to speak about, I will just be available and I will just be faithful. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> All right. This this is one of my landmines. Uh, you just you just stepped on it, and, and I got to just say out there to any any man uh, or woman who is watching, ladies, if God calls you to do something, do it. Men, shut up about it. If God's calling her to do it, just get out of the way. You don't want to be on the wrong side of that one. And you know, I I think we have some bad <laughs> theology out there. And so you you do what God wants you to do. Now, you do mention your husband quite a bit. How, how important yes, of a role yes. does he play in 
the things that you have wow. been doing and you continue to do. Wow. So Cliff is an outstanding person. He is a cancer survivor. He had liver cancer when he was 10. He had a transplant after that. And then he went on to do an Ironman triathlon event. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, so <laughs> he has a faith level that is just insane. It's kind of like off the charts. Mm. And his idea of putting his faith in God is kind of it's kind of different from, I think, anybody else that I've ever met. One thing that I admire about him is that he's always pushed me out of my comfort zone. So in our marriage, in fact, I just got we just got interviewed for a documentary just before I flew to the States. And it was really about his role as a stay-at-home dad, why he was called to do that, and the dynamics that we have in our marriage. Mm. And the interesting thing that I shared was that on the outside, it seems like I'm the one pursuing the big dreams, you know, W-H-O-U-N, mission, speaking, a book, and he's just quietly supporting the background. But actually, the reality is that within our household, we know the real narrative. And the narrative is that I've always been the more timid one between the two of us. I was the one who sat on that email when a call for assistance was made. I buried that email in my inbox intentionally because I was afraid. I was the one who hesitated going to the front lines. I was the one who sat in the living room sobbing because I didn't believe that I could write a book um, that, you know, because I was unwanted as a girl, that nobody remembers my name, that I would always be a nobody. And Cliff always believed that mm. I needed to get out of my comfort zone. He always believed that when you feel like you're nothing, when you feel like you're not enough, that is exactly when you need to step out and do something. Mm. So everything that I've done, even right now that I'm in the States, he's he's holding the fort with the kids and he's saying, I need to do this. And we both support and encourage each other that way to, to pursue our dreams, I think in different ways. Um, he runs a stay-at-home dad's ministry group and he ministers to them in a way that no other man can because mm. he's he's lived it. He's He knows what they're going through. And I think that's the kind of support that we want to uh, really champion. Not just like, you know, it's the quiet one spouse supporting the other, but it's a continual submitting to each other in love yeah. and looking at the seasons that each person is in and prioritizing the other person above ourselves. And I think that's what makes dreams in a marriage work. If it's always one person supporting the other, it won't work. It has to be both supporting, both prioritizing actively the other person all the time. Uh, yeah. You so spot on. I mean, there's, yeah, we were, I, I wasn't even coming here for marriage advice and you just laid it out beautifully. I mean, so that that's perfect. And Cliff? I'm not sure if I'm qualified. Uh, so. You know, I. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is biblical, and that's qualified. So that that works oh. for me. That's wonderful, Cliff. You're a stud. So if he happens to be watching, because I'm sure. I mean, I know I'm huge in Singapore. So this program is no. I'm kidding. Um, uh, he, I, I need to ask you though about this kitedreams.org. What are what are kite dreams? Wow, Randy. That is a loaded question. Okay. So this whole analogy about a kite, um, the reason why my nonprofit was called Kite Song Global and now um, my Christian platform is called Kite Dreams is because when I was 17, before I went to Nepal, I went on a youth expedition trip to Cambodia with my school. We were just there to paint murals on children's homes and orphanages. It wasn't anything fancy, but 
A little boy that I had met, he shared with me that his dream was to become a doctor. It was just like mine. But because he was an orphan and his relatives worked on a farm, he told me that it would never happen. And before I left, he gave me a kite. He had made the kite out of a trash bag because it was all he had. And I remember keeping that gift for years and years because it reminded me of the dreams that we all carry in our hearts. And yet, so many of us, so many people out there may not have the resources or the ability to reach those dreams. And it reminds me also of the responsibility we have collectively to help others fly their own kite songs or kite dreams. The amazing thing is when I look at a kite, I see a cross in the center. <laughs> and so unless our dreams are anchored on the cross, unless they're buoyed by the Holy Spirit, they will amount to nothing more than trash. Wow. But even a kite made of a trash bag, if it's anchored on the cross, God can make it fly. Wow. I had no idea. That is that is beautiful. You don't know happen to know what happened to that young boy in Cambodia, do you? I don't know what happened to him, but I do know what happened to the the other young girl I had stayed with. So she had I had stayed with another young Cambodian girl who shared with me the same thing. She wanted to be a doctor. A couple of months later, and, and she's the little girl that I actually wrote write about in, in the book Kite Song. Um, at the end, she said, my, my parents are sick and there's no rain on the farm, so I have to let my dream of being a doctor go. And I tried to sponsor her and the organization wouldn't accept my money because she said that, you know, uh, it would create disparities um, in their culture and in that area. Hmm. And so I was heartbroken. But for years, I followed up with that little, with that little girl who grew up and just kept in touch with her on Facebook. And right now, she she's doing well. She actually went to university. She got a degree. And she's working in an administrative job. But she's happy and she's yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I, you know, <laughs> we get too comfortable, I think, sometimes in our lives. And yes. just just some of your stories today, the things that you're stepping out and doing, um, when you don't always feel qualified or people tell you you're not qualified you know it's just god qualifies us sometimes on the fly as we go as we step out yeah. in faith one step at a time yes yes i, I just love it you have, you have like a a final word for anybody who may be watching today who's like mm, she makes me want to step out in faith she makes me want to dream brave what would you say to them? yes yes well well i'll end up with this anecdote if that's okay randy that yes. Um, my family and I were supposed to be in Tanzania by last Christmas. So we had plans to relocate there as a family. And suddenly things didn't go the way we had planned. I had unexpected spine surgeries through my neck. So there's a huge scar here. Oh, and um, that was just about um, last September. And then as I was recovering on the day that I was supposed to resume my normal activities after months of intensive rehab, um, I had a physiotherapy-induced knee injury and it tore my meniscus. And again, it set us back. And through all these trials, I kept asking the Lord, like, Lord, is this really a dream for me? Mm -hmm. Is it really um, about, is it, do you really want us there in Tanzania? Is there something else that you want for us? But it was through all these different trials and tribulations and setbacks that God continued to refine 
what my family and I were called to. And so right now we're in the States, I feel like, wow, this is a huge detour. Like, you know, I was supposed to be in Tanzania. But when I look back, I see God's fingerprints all over it. Mm. As cliche as it might seem, because I always wondered, God, you you had planned the book's release. And if I were in Tanzania, I wouldn't be able to share about the book um, as much as I would have been able to now. And so although our plans for our dreams might seem delayed, although we might feel like God has put us in a storm, I want us to leave remembering the story of Jonah. I am not saying that pursuing our own dreams is always disobeying God, like, you know, the way Jonah did, he went the other direction. But what I'm saying is sometimes when we pursue the dreams that we think are from God, he can sometimes change our direction without us realizing it. And when that happens, our first reaction is to resist God and to say, God, who are you? Why are you doing this? And that's okay. But the next question we must ask ourselves is, God, what are you doing? What can I learn? Mm. And through this whole process, I've just discovered how good God has been. And so we're still waiting on God to release us into the mission field long-term as a family. We're still taking concrete steps, step-by-step, faith-by-faith. But we're also holding onto everything loosely and saying, God, here are all our dreams and plans. I surrender them all to you. And I'm just going to live a day at a time, a month at a time. So I pray for everybody who's listening in right now that as much as I want you to take a step of faith and courage forward to pursue your dreams or your God-given dreams, let's also be willing to just hold them loosely before the Lord and say, God, whenever you want me to change course, I'm willing to do it. Because God is more interested in our direction and our destination than our speed. <laughs> that's a good thing because sometimes i think am i ever gonna get there uh i like that. that's good so good thank thank you um this is a really really good insightful conversation um i i think you're gonna see some good things happening i know you're at the beginning of your book tour but i think i think god will show up on on this one yes. <laughs> so thank you I, i'll be blessed in this one but thank, thank you i want to show people your website it is kitedreams.org looks just like this you can follow up with ygf tam right there uh, and the book is available wherever you get books so thank you so much for being with us today i appreciate you thank you for having me thank you out there for watching encourage somebody hit that share button and if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed I invite you to do that We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.